gentlemen this is william hurst back with another episode of the i've got questions podcast and today we are kind of rounding out the scope of our lobster con post coverage for those of you not familiar lobster con was the event held almost a month ago at this point um crowning our north american pre-modern champion uh, shout out to Brian Selden for his win. And between myself and the other podcast, shout out to the Spike Colony, to the Pre-Modcast, and to Balancing Tings. We have covered a breadth of the field, but one deck we did not touch on, and a, a personal favorite of mine is um, Burn, or Sly, however you want to call it. Um, this has been a staple within pre-modern since its inception and has been fighting the valiant fight to overcome hard challenges in the wake of dreadnought decks and parfait decks uh being at top of the format and today we have on dmitry novikov who finished i believe it was 12th yes 12th um with burn um and he and anthony jordan who finished 11th um just outside that bubble so let us go ahead and welcome dimitri dimitri how are you today i'm doing well Will. how are you man i am living the dream fighting the good fight and keeping the eyes open so dimitri i know we've talked before um you've asked me some things you are a person who is quite um involved within the discords and the facebooks uh, a name that most pre-modern people know because they've seen it so, for those of you who don't know history, though, Dimitri, why don't you tell us how you found magic, and then how you found yourself in the uh, in the red hot grasps of pre-modern? <laughs> it's uh, quite a way to put this. Well, um, I don't know how many people can say this, but I'm actually one of the few people who remembers their first, first, first game of magic. <laughs> okay. Um, it was uh, my cousin who introduced me to it uh, back in 2001, just around the time that the Odyssey came out. And I remember thinking two very specific things. Um, one, uh, I assumed that lands are meant for creatures to stand on, which means that if I play a grizzly bear, I have to keep my mountain, uh, my forest and mountain tapped until he goes to the graveyard. Okay. Um, and the second thing I remember is uh, my cousin who was teaching me the game didn't really have a very good grasp of the rules. So... All of his lands were uh, from uh, Urza's block, and they said tap to add, you know, one green to your mana pool. Mm -hmm. uh, but they thought that it means fetch a forest from your deck and put it into play. <laughs> so okay, I I'm trying to figure out how to make my grizzly bear stand on the mountain in the forest that I've been given, and he proceeds to basically fetch out 20 forests on turn one, which I'm sure, you know, all the elves player in pre-modern would really, really love. That'd be great. Yes. Um, Absolutely. Thankfully, I did what every responsible uh, kid learning the game would do, which is downloaded the 7th edition starter mm -hmm. and uh, learn how the game actually works. I could you know, teach my teacher how the game uh, is played. Okay. Um, and basically, for the next six months, we played with a variety of uh, pre-constructed decks that you know, we would get boosters from uh, 
the IPA block and uh, Odyssey. Uh, lots of uh, dirtling with uh, <laughs> domain. Um, mm. Until uh, my brother changed it all for me. And that's kind of actually what set the stage for pre-modern. Uh, my brother, who's four years younger, he did not care for deck building. He did not care for trying to figure anything out. Uh, when he saw that the comic book store that, that we were going to has the world championship decks, mm-hmm. he said, I'm going to demolish all of you guys. I'm just going to you know shortcut everything. And he ended up buying uh, uh, the the red-green uh, angry non-hermit, the, the Ponza deck from the 2000 uh, cycle. Okay. Um and I, I mean, the, the reactions that followed when we opened that deck was amazing. I mean, the first thing, he, he didn't know anything about the back. So, you know, so he takes it out. He sees like gold borders, which, you know, does not look like magic. He turns mm-hmm. around and he sees like non-tournament sanctioned uh, back either. And then he starts looking at the creatures. He's like, Birds of Paradise, Blastodor, you know, <laughs> the cards mm-hmm. like made no sense to him whatsoever. Moreover, he didn't really know what a sideboard was. So he kept on playing like the whole 75. <laughs> <laughs> and he kept on being really, really angry about one mana screw, and two, he did not realize why the deck had four copies of Boil uh, against like, my non-blue decks. Uh-huh. Uh, however, uh, one of the cards in that deck <clears throat> changed my life, well, my magic life uh, forever. And it's actually not one of the 75, it is the information card, the one that talked about all four uh, decks that come in the cycle. Mm-hmm. And Reading the description of John Finkel's Stinker deck, I mean, to me, was the stuff of legend. I am very much romanticizing everything about the Pro Tour from those days. And that thing, like, put on such a pedestal for me. Um, I started digging up coverage. I ended up building the deck, um, like, with real cards. <laughs> so Okay. And basically, that's what I played for, like, the next year or two, um, <laughs> which was funny because, you know, Grim Olive was basically banned in just about every format. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially that's around the time that I started, uh, we, we have like a pre-college system in, in Quebec. We finished like grade 11 and then we have like two years of preparation for university and, okay. uh, basically extended was by far my favorite format. So I kept on building all the monocolored, non-dual, non-force of will decks that I could find. So this is where I got the, the ball lightnings for slide. This is where I got to play uh, rancors for stompy, um, I even built your baby uh, stasis uh, out of oh boy out of necessity. <laughs> out of necessity, huh? Yeah, there were two guys in my group who kept on abusing uh, the card Mist of Stagnation, which I believe is mm. a five man enchantment from Judgment or that block that basically says you can only untap equal to the number of cards in your graveyard. Okay. And they would basically like try to lock you out with Tormod Script or Grip of Amnesia, which is like a counter spell that you can remove your graveyard instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, they were just really, really uh, annoying with those decks, and the Stasis could just lock them out way faster. And we played hundreds of games. They never won once, but they always thought that they could get out of the lock. Yeah, yep. Never, never give up against Stasis. Number one rule. <laughs> yes. Um, so that was the introduction to Magic and kind of like the setting stage for pre-modern. After which, I kind of basically uh, switched to play nothing but pre-constructed decks for a long time. First, it was mm-hmm. like uh, dual decks and commander. I played those for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, around 2020, um, I started getting the itch for some of those nostalgia cards. Mm-hmm. And I, I built my first commander decks just so that I can play the cards Pernicious Deed and Vindicate in the same list. Love it. 
<laughs> yeah, well, uh, luckily for me, eight months later, I saw the professor's video about pre-modern, uh, realized that basically all the decks that I've had from 20 years ago are viable again and are actually quite competitive. I mean, not Stompy, but, you know, <laughs> the rest. I mean, there's always a dream, right? There is a dream, and uh, you have no idea how much effort I put into making it work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we will get there. We will get there. And uh, oh, okay. basically hopped on the uh, Facebook group. Uh, Saw that uh, the turtle man, uh, Mr. Uh, Jared uh, Sitakowski, was looking for games. I had my, you know, slide deck sleeve. I was like, let's go. Let's do this. Uh, mm -hmm. He was testing a version of, uh, Ang uh, I guess uh, it would be Naughty Hermit, although in his case, he was doing the blue-black red, uh, blue -black version. Uh, okay. So Dark Ritual Intuition and then uh, Buried Alive, I think. He just puts a bunch of Dreadnoughts and Sutured Ghoul. So turn one, I play Mock Fanatic. Turn two, I play Core Scroll, and there was no turn three for me. Um, yeah. So, and and he, he really, really felt bad about doing that to me. Just he didn't want me to give up on the format. So, you know, he, he said, <laughs> Let, let's switch. He, he, and he proceeded basically to send me like every picture that he had in his collection at the time. Super welcoming, uh, super awesome. You know, after that, uh, you sign up for the monthly, and, uh, you know, here we are. Absolutely. Well, that's. That's awesome to hear. Sounds pretty in line, though. I've never heard the phrase, I thought my creatures had to stay on the lands and stand on them. That <laughs> That's one in all my years, and I've played since Ice Age, that I have not heard. I mean, thankfully, it lasted only for the first game. I'm pretty sure like, if you showed me a creature with flying, my mind would just melt. <laughs> I just, the picture is now in my head. It's going to be there for a while. <laughs> so we have, you found yourself to pre-modern. Now, before you found pre-modern, were you really a, um, at any point, like a PTQ grinder? Did you go to kind of the larger events or were you definitely more on the casual hang out with friends and play the game? Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I, I honestly never really uh, played in, that many tournaments i can count like on two hands how many pre-releases i've been to um <laughs> i did read coverage uh fanatically uh and i remember yep. refreshing my browser on like the sideboard.com uh, during the i believe it was 2003 pro tour uh, houston uh that that was the format where uh, that was extended with ice age and duels rotating out Mm. Uh, so you you basically got to see like the rock and uh, tinker become viable again um, yeah and basically i was always casual but i was always playing like extended decks <laughs> they were kind of spiky i mean that that is <laughs> that is actually not not, not true we, we had a we had a balance group so amongst like my gauntlet which included you know tinker and sly and stompy i also had like a, a five color domain deck um mm -hmm. and I, I think i had like some also uh Fun, fun uh, I think I'm on a black control deck. I just kept on updating based on like the Odyssey list. Uh, oh yeah, Psy mm -hmm. Psychotox. I kept on playing uh, Shadow Mage Infiltrators way beyond any needed point. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nightscape Familiar was better, but like I said, the deck Tinker, the name John Finkel, that changed my life. Like I'm super a fanboy <laughs> of that. <laughs> uh, and oh, another fun fact: I didn't realize that there was such a thing as formats when I started out. I just assumed it was kind of like Yu-Gi-Oh. You know, you walk around with your own deck and you bring it to every tournament that there is. Ah. Uh, so when I finally found like a feature match, uh, you know, coverage at the time, there was just not a written article about John Finkel. Um, and uh, what was it? Uh, yeah, I remember it says like he plays a swamp. I'm like, what is that? 
Um, <laughs> it was uh, that, that's when I discovered the seal. Uh, but uh, to get back to the actual question, um, no, before, like pre-modern was the first time I started playing like competitively, started taking it seriously, and uh, there's actually a reason behind, I guess, my my results and the journey that I took to get there. Um, but uh, no, uh, no, never uh, played uh, seriously. I did bring dual decks to. Uh, to the hospital when my wife was giving birth funny enough we never got to play yeah. but uh <laughs> yeah the, the, there may have been other things happening there at that time but i admire your effort uh, thank you <laughs> uh, go ahead i was gonna say uh it was the garrick versus liliana dual decks and even though we didn't play any games my youngest daughter is named liliana i love it i absolutely love it and i rem- i had that dual deck as well uh some 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 quality products from wizards at the time yeah so Let's go ahead. Let's jump into our prep for um, Lobster Con this year. Mm-hmm. Now it sounds like you are ba- you're based out of Canada, correct? Yes, sir. Gotcha. So, what did you go last year? I did. Yes, my first. gotcha. So, what is the scene like before we jump into Lobster Con in your area of Canada? Um, I think the only there's a my my geography of Canada is really bad, so I apologize. I know that Pascal Maynard mm-hmm. plays in Canada. I'm not sure if you are anywhere near there, use the same stores, but how is the scene within Canada or your area um of pre modern? Is it growing? Is it kind of been where it is? Like what what does that mm-hmm. look like? Uh well, so I mean if we were to ask to answer this question, let's say historically, both in let's say the context of this LobsterCon or the previous years, it was there was not much of a presence. Um, at, at least I, I'm based in Montreal, so I'm located between both Ottawa, which is basically where uh, Patrick Burt kind of runs things. Uh, shout out, okay. he was also in Type 16, and Pascal Maynard, who's in Quebec City, who's about like three hours away as well. So, and I want to apologize to Patrick. I forgot Patrick was. <laughs> my, bad, my bad patrick sorry uh well essentially we have a, a, ch- a messenger group uh for the montreal uh, pre-modern community and okay. um it's a mix of uh people who are kind of like curious about it uh, some people who actually brew for it very very actively um mm-hmm. I, I think the big name on it is uh i'm going to give you the english pronunciation because i think it's most people would be more familiar with that uh carl revist harnois I don't know. That's the name I'm familiar with. I've heard that one. Yes. Um, the, it's not how you pronounce it in French. And the other name is uh, Remy Wallet. Um, ah, Remy. Yes. Uh, so essentially, they're more, I think, of the active members. Uh, whereas, I guess, uh, we have competing groups because there's a big old school scene here. And okay. I believe uh, two weeks ago, we had our first um, pre modern uh, monthly for Montreal. Nice. Um, so we actually got together on the island. Uh, before that, if ever I wanted to play an uh, IRL event, I would have to drive about 50 minutes to a small, I guess, uh, township uh, where they had a store, which surprisingly once a month runs like uh, pre-modern tournaments. So uh, okay, got, uh, got to play there, but it's kind of hard to get people from Montreal to agree to drive there. Uh, uh-huh. uh, but uh, that, that is owned by Tome, uh, Tome 2, which is uh, Benjamin Bork's uh, store. Awesome, awesome. So it sounds like there's a scene that's you know decently active in there, uh, and people have traveled down obviously to the event. You and Patrick, um, did Remy make it out to the event? Uh, unfortunately, no, he did not make it out uh, neither this year nor um, last year. Uh, he is mm-hmm. uh, 
in the middle of uh, his uh, studies. Yeah. Oh boy. So he, he's doing a, uh, an internship, so he was not able to get the time off. Gotcha. Well, shout out to Remy anyway. Hopefully next year you get to make it. Um, but leading into this year, how and why did you land on uh, Burn? And in this case, specifically Bobble Burn. And before we jump into it, I'm going to kind of read the list. It, it's pretty stock to an extent. Uh, four Ball Lightning, four Grims, four Jackals, four Mogs, four Fire Blast, four Incinerate, four Lightning Bolt, four Shock, one Lava Dart, two Sulfuric Vortex, two Curse Scroll, four Bobbles, two Barbarian Rings, four Myers, four Foothills, nine Mountains, uh, and a sideboard consisting of three Darts, two Meltdowns, three Overloads, two Pyroblast, one Reb, three Price, and one Sulfuric Vortex. So, Decently stock list for a bobble burn um, mm-hmm. variant that Aaron Dix helped popularize and has probably is probably your stock idea for a long time of what burn had become. How did you end up on this deck? Well, uh, I ended up actually top 16 uh, in uh, June of last year. Uh, with a mm-hmm. similar list, I believe the main deck kind of remained the same. This is, like you said, a canon Aaron Dix. Uh, shout out! And um, essentially, I really shifted. Like Burn came about like a week uh, before uh, LobsterCon. Um, so I guess if we rewind back to previous years, LobsterCon, I was actually fortunate enough to land in 18th place, um, which was about 92 places better than I expected. Uh, with reanimator and uh, the two things that kind of stood in my mind from that experience was that number one um despite playing a relatively fast deck all of almost all of my matches went to time (laughs) and uh by the end of the day i was completely exhausted Mm -hmm. um so looking at my choices this year at the top of my list was the the list that was fortunate enough to bring all the way to the finals uh in uh march Mm-hmm. Um, losing to uh, Flint Espel <laughs> yep. um, on a list that you might be very, very familiar with because you ended up uh, taking that one to the finals of the uh, spring film. I'm, I'm sorry it didn't work out. Yeah, we, we couldn't make it happen. We we made some questionable choices in game two that I'm <laughs> very sad about. Um, but we'll we'll get we'll move past that and move, move to brighter things. Um, right. So essentially, I think, I mean, you, the reason we know each other is because ever since you came on the scene with uh, Long Reach Sly, I've been asking you lots of questions. Um, and <laughs> even though I've been essentially using the bubble slide list whenever I played in monthlies, um, I was still uh, sleeving up your list on the side for like more casual games. Um, mm-hmm. And it's gone through a lot of iterations, and it really feels like the, the version that I lost to that the Flynn brought around, um, which I don't really know if they settled on a name. I kind of called it uh, Pup Patrol, uh, you know, because I my... don't know if they did. Um, I just called it. Nah, I didn't have a name for it. It was just, it was just Sly. It was just Burn. I don't think it, I don't think it doesn't have a name like Flinchuator. We can't call it that. <laughs> Nothing that good. Sure. Uh, it's just a uh, uh, you know, Flint inspired Sly. Hmm. Or, I don't know. We, I don't think a name was found for it. Well, um, basically, remembering how potent it was and how fast uh, of a clock it put against my you know, blue-white list, uh, I, mm-hmm. I did give it a lot of uh, thought. Um, so, I mean, choice number one was that list. 
Uh, choice number two would have been, uh, at the time, I think I was considering uh, Goblins or perhaps Replenish. Mm-hmm. Um, but towards the end, I was kind of leaning towards uh, a version of Sly. And I really thought that that version, the Flinchuator version, uh, would be it. Um, but then I started testing against uh, Goblins and against uh, the Rock. Mm-hmm. And it did not go well. Um, it felt like I gave some of the finishing power. Um, and I guess what kind of felt even worse is that uh, my Goblins opponent, uh, shout out to uh, a big fan of yours, actually, uh, Javier Lugo. Oh, really? Well, shout out, Javi. I, I've talked to Javier Lugo before. And reach out to me, homie. I haven't heard from you in a while. <laughs> Say what's up every once in a while. Well, what was really cool is we were preparing him and his dad for LobsterCon. I heard about this tag team. Yes. So we would basically test uh, different matchups um, also via uh, webcam because uh, they're, they're also, I think, uh, Javi's in, in Indiana and his dad is in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically we just see how the game's played. And uh, I guess uh, for uh, his dad, uh, Miguel, the, the big issue was that uh, we, were, we were worried that he was going to miss his bobble triggers. Mm. Um. And we basically ended up uh, opting, I think, to switch that just for, let's say, Seal of Fire to make it more uh, uh, standard. But basically, overseeing many variations of Sly play play out against uh, the other decks that we had in the Goblin in the in the Gauntlet, um, I, I just ended up finding that it, it was something wasn't right. It wasn't uh, it wasn't there. There was probably a proper combination that somebody smarter could have figured out. Uh, but mm-hmm. going back to last year's, uh, where I was completely mentally exhausted from playing the list. I decided to default to familiarity because um, mm-hmm. I've been playing Bobble Slide for, for a while. I mean, I've had all of my Fire Blast math worked out back in 2002. <laughs> yep. So I wanted to play something I'm comfortable with. I wanted to play something that I could navigate fairly easy, not to get too mentally fatigued throughout the day. And mm-hmm. uh, I remember talking to you, talking to Flint, and eventually talking to Aaron. I was like, what are you playing? <laughs> <laughs> and you know he he basically told me uh, Bubble Sly, and he gave me. I think I I asked him what did he think of the newer version, what did he think of the meltdowns in particular. Uh, he did he, he he said something that like really stuck with me. He said, "You're not trying to beat Parfait, you're trying to avoid it." <laughs> uh, sure. When he said that, that was kind of like my modus operandi for the event, and I ended up settling on the list that uh, you have in front of you. Okay. That makes sense. So before we kind of, well, let's let's talk about this before we jump into matches. Um, so I also enjoy Sly. Obviously, I take different approaches uh, than Aaron. Uh, some oddball things, and I really enjoyed uh, Flint's version and how it combated the parfait matchup. Mm-hmm. Where I'm at with Sly currently is. I think in a world, if it was just Parfait existed or just Dreadnought existed, I would be much more comfortable playing it. <laughs> I, With both of them, in fact, and both of them doing so very different things, and the things you have to do, a la Flint's version, to truly combat them, and you made a great point, you give up a lot versus Goblins versus... Um, rock things like that. It's I think this may have been an Aaron Dix quote is, or somebody said it was Aaron's. It was um 
Sly is a great deck to top eight a, a event with, but it's not necessarily the deck you're winning with. Just because as soon as you hit those tables, it's very hard to avoid the fist that is Dreadnought and or Parfait. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's where I draw my line is I know I'm a competent enough player to probably get there with Sly. It's just at some point those matchups catch up to you mm-hmm. and it makes me really sad, but <laughs> it is what it is. How did you feel going into lobster con on Bobble burn? I have, I have gained some respect for Bobble over time. I played it in a stasis list. At one point, I understand its value and what it adds. Um, but what did you think of the Bobble version? Um, what are kind of your opinions on Ball Lightning and Sulfuric Vortex? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of Ball Lightning. I think I've probably mentioned that numerous times. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sulfuric Vortex feels like it's losing a lot of its luster. What What are your thoughts on some of those things? Well, uh, I guess uh, to before I jump to that, I would like to address uh, the criticism that you made. You are absolutely right. You can uh, get to the top tables on it. Uh, you are not likely to win, but that's uh, that was fine for me because I had no intention of winning Lobster Con. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's fair. But I mean, the, 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 the reason isn't because of what you might think. It's because uh, when I hear of, and, and I got to see it uh, firsthand going to, to New York and being fortunate enough to attend their uh, monthly meeting, um, mm-hmm. you have people who are putting like way 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 more matches way more hours you know they have countless games like over the years not just uh, in this year alone uh th- mm-hmm. thousand upon thousands of repetitions and i knew that there was no way for me to bridge like that knowledge gap um in such a short time mm-hmm. uh my goal going into lobster con <clears throat> so th- this is the way that i put it i said that i want to end in the top 50 and i don't mean 50 people i mean top 50 percent um i i told that to uh uh Another guest of the pod, uh, Peter Smith, so he's like, so positive record. I'm like, yes, exactly. Um, and I thought that uh, Sly would give me the best chance at getting there. Um, that's why I went with what I went. In terms of the individual cards, um, I will be honest with you, uh, much to my detriment, I don't necessarily play the optimal version. I play sometimes the cards that make me feel feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, the ball lightnings are very, very nostalgic for me. I understand sure. that they're not uh, the best, um, but when I thought about what I'm likely to face versus I will not face, I realized that not a lot of people will be playing Parfait. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, I think that there was actually a larger number that I expected, but uh, thankfully, a spoiler alert, I didn't face any. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I, I believe that uh, I kind of needed those two cards, so Ball Lightning and uh, Vortex, to close out um, the white base matches that I planned on facing. Sure. And I actually was fairly right, um, as you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to when we talk about the matches. Awesome. So why don't you then, uh, since we talk about matchups, kind of run me through your day. How, how did we start? How were we feeling? How did it end? Where mm-hmm. where was the heartbreak? If there was any, <laughs> let's 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 start round one. The, the, there is heartbreak. There is heartbreak. Oh boy. Um, I, I guess be, before we start on round one, um, I just wanted to let you know that I drove to LobsterCon the day before to hang out with uh, Javi and his crew. 
Um, That's awesome. As well as my uh, I guess Pittsburgh crew at this point, the uh, Stillwagon brothers, uh, Todd uh, Stillwagon and Brian Stillman. Um, okay. And essentially, the night before, we just uh, got to, I got to hang out with both a group of people. And uh, my favorite, <laughs> I think, parfait story coming out of this is uh, one of the people, uh, Will Reddy, wanted to play like an uh, all-foreign version of parfait. <laughs> And he basically was sleeving up the cards on a pool table <laughs> at the Airbnb. Um, everything was going well until he got to, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the card, uh, the, the finisher, the Sapperling. Um, oh, Sap. Um, sure. I should know this because Brian Kowal was the one who put it out there. Oh, my God. BK, where are you? <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Continue on. Well, because his deck is all uh, foreign, <laughs> he didn't realize that he actually ended up bringing uh, Saperling uh, Symbiosis, I think. <laughs> so we're looking at the art, trying to figure out what card this is. And I think when, mm-hmm. when we actually did uh, find out, rather than giving you a creature for every card in your hand, you get a creature mm-hmm. for every creature you have in play. <laughs> Probably not as effective. No. Uh, so he was basically, I think, uh, running around trying to find it. I'm guessing he did since he played Parfait, but this was also his first time playing Parfait, which I would probably not do to myself at a tournament. Um, yeah, that seems rough. But I mean, most of the preparation consisted of uh, me trying to really coach uh, Javi's dad because uh, we were both going to play Slide that day, and I just wanted to teach him as many of the tricks and you know give him as many of the tips as I could before. Uh, round one. I faced a gentleman, I believe, by the name of uh, Jim, and his last name was uh, Remes, I think, R-E-M-M-E-S. Okay. Uh, I believe he was a newcomer to pre-modern. It may have been his first time playing, and he was on uh, uh, blue at uh, standstill. Okay. Um, I don't have extensive notes from match because I didn't expect to do <laughs> all that well. Um, it's all right. But I remember game one uh, ended up going uh, to me pretty fast, uh, before he had any access to sideboard card, I was just able to... I mean, the, the play pattern was kind of uh, simple. Every time they tap out for mm-hmm. an impulse or a foff, they basically get all the burn that I've been holding back in my hand while I'm beating with creatures. Yes. Uh, but in this case, actually, ball lightnings were, in that sense, very good for me throughout the day because it was just like a lot of damage that they either had to answer or soak up. Mm-hmm. Um, game two, I made a mistake in sideboarding. Um, I... Didn't realize just how many non-basics that deck runs, so I did not bring in Price of Progress. And I ended up dying to a combination of... Uh, he was able to stop the pressure. Uh, first, he played uh, Warmth. Mm-hmm. And when he got the Cop Red out, that's basically when I threw in, threw in the towel. Yep, that makes sense. Uh, game three was pretty fast. I brought in Price of Progress, and as soon as he tapped out, <laughs> you know, it was the lights out. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, off to a 1-0 record. Um, okay. Uh, round number two, I did not think I was going to play. Um, so I guess uh, here, here's the, uh, <laughs> the backstory. Last year, my round two opponent was Brian Selden. <laughs> Um, and it, like this year was no difference. I would face a different legend. Uh, this one in the form of uh, Francisco Paluche. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, and he, and he was on blue white knot. He was on blue white knot, and he was wearing like his uh, Argentina shirt <laughs> uh, to basically tell everybody what he's on. Um, I guess what you might not know is that uh, I actually uh, I have been uh, coached by Francisco for months uh, before. So mm-hmm. um, usually, 
uh, I get my tax refund and bonus around February and I treat myself by some you know expensive high-end cards. Uh, but this mm-hmm. year, I really decided to make up for that knowledge gap we talked about. Um, mm-hmm. After watching uh, many, many wonderful gameplay videos on the stream, I contacted him for some uh, private uh, coaching. Okay. And uh, ironically, that was the time that I, was, I started doing well in the March uh, monthly. So ah. our coaching session basically shifted from being like more theory and in the abstract base to specifically us playtesting some of the matches that I would be facing. Yes. And I mean, that experience, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Just uh, getting to talk to an experienced player and sit over their shoulder as we're you know testing out games, discussing theories. Um, I, I think that he was very instrumental in me getting as far as I got. Awesome. Um, so when I see that I'm paired up against my sensei, I said, like, don't even bother playing. Just write two on the match slip. Let's go to a bar. I'm buying you a drink. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he he wanted to play it out. I, I think he was curious to see what I was on. And uh, lo and behold, game one, I'm able to steal it. Okay. Game two, uh, he basically keeps on cantripping. <laughs> Um, all, all that he can, drawing cards. And I think he, he even said that in both games. I essentially end up uh, burning him out on the last turn. And like he really turns over the, the card of his deck. The top card was a Dreadnought. He was not able to find a Shrimp by looking at 25 cards both games. Uh, and I, you know, sometimes you just, you, you just run hot. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Uh, yes. Uh, so thankfully the match actually finished, uh, pretty, pretty fast. Um, and we were, we had time to go get food. And, uh, okay. I, I think you heard that, uh, Tom, uh, Matelski ended up getting uh, food poisoning at the event. I heard or on the way to, or something like that. Yeah. He decided to eat lettuce, which was obviously. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way of putting it. Yes. Um, so essentially we ended up, uh, going, trying to find a place to look like when they told me that they were basically in the hospital in the morning and, you know, they had had no food because, you know, he was afraid that uh, it might come back up. And then Fran started complaining about his uh, condition with the migraine. Mm-hmm. Like they basically kicked in my paternal instinct. I'm like, all right, I gotta, you know, nurture these players back to health. <laughs> um, so we ended up uh, going looking for food um, and coming back to the venue. I was basically uh, chasing them, trying to make sure that they get uh, <laughs> something to eat because neither one of them was feeling well. Um, Tom, mm-hmm. Tom went back to playing. I left his sandwich like on the feature area match. Uh, on, on the actual table. Um, and basically every round I would kept on running up to him like, Tom, did you eat? Tom, did you eat? Tom, did you eat? I think he ate after round five. Um, but uh, yes, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if it was a good idea for me to have bought them the beers before we got food. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, maybe it helped, I hope, uh, Francisco to have a nice nap because uh, I understand uh, Jared found him a nice room for him to recover. Uh, oh, that's good. Yeah, and for the rest of my matches, he was actually over my shoulders, which was amazing. It was just like our coaching sessions all over again. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, round three, I got some justice for you, I feel. Um, my opponent was uh, your finals opponent from the... Uh, oh, yeah. Mr. David Daniel. Mr. David Daniel. Uh, play, yeah. Playing the same list. So I basically got to pre-play your matchup against him. Yeah. How'd that one go for you? Um, I ended up winning 2-0. Thank you. (laughs) But I don't know how much of it was due to skill, uh, how much Mm. was variance, and how much was was due to the fact he was completely sleep-deprived. He he was physically struggling to keep his eyes open. And I kept on asking him, are you okay? Are you okay? I mean, 
game one, I just got there like uh, super fast. Uh, game two, he kept on drawing and chuckling about uh, the, the cards they end up having. Um, basically, when I forced him to have the counter spell, going for like uh, you know the final term of uh, fire blast and everything, he showed me a hand consisting of four disenchants. That seems unusual. Yes, uh, not, not sure why he had so many of those in, in his deck, uh, but the fact that he that basically all that he drew in those matches um, meant that I was able to uh, get get actually a pretty good record. Uh, right. Going uh, 2-0 back to back. I mean, I've been facing nothing but blue white all day so far. Um, gotcha. So we're on a 3-0 start. We're we're alive and kicking. How are you feeling at this point after round three? I'm honestly like uh, happy because I know that if I win one more match, I get to uh, <laughs> neutrality. You know, I get like <laughs> the worst that's gonna happen is up at four uh, four. Uh, but I was also thinking of getting closer and closer to that uh, positive uh, record. And uh, you know, people are saying like, "Wow, that's really good." Um, I, I try not to let it get into my head because I know that uh, I, I feel a lot of it was just due to some good variants. Uh, for what it's worth, I did end up going to five multiple times in those games. Uh, mm. Which is surprising, you know, because monocolored deck and you, you know, basically all your sources produce red. Uh, but I've seen multiple like zero landers. Yeah, and I don't know if I keep like bobble bobble bobble. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna see some fresh cards without a doubt. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, but uh, I I decided to uh, you know try to try to have a threat uh, going just because of my role in all these matchups. Um, gotcha. Round number four, I ended up facing a gentleman from the Czech Republic. Uh, we were actually playing at the number one table. There it <laughs> um, is. I believe his name was uh, Peter, and I think it's Bokak. Uh, he, okay. He is a, uh, from what I understand, he's also like a magic dealer. So he, okay. he, when he comes to the States, it's for business, and LobsterCon is one of the events that he attend, attends. Um, I initially put him on blue-black uh, Dreadnought, mm-hmm. uh, but... His deck seemed to have been running a, a Psychotog backup plan. Okay. Uh, which was pretty cool, but uh, game one, I overwhelmed him again. I'm, I'm assuming that it's just a bunch of uh, live Lava Mancers and uh, Jackal Pups uh, activations going on in addition to damage, and whenever he tried to you know, draw cards, I would uh, burn his face. Um, as, yep, yep. as I'm sideboarding, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I didn't actually see anything that would tell me that he is on Dreadnought. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went off the assumption that he just might be on Psychotalk. <laughs> and, okay. and turns out I was right. <laughs> there it is. Um, this is another case of him digging frantically but not having it. Um, the, mm-hmm. the turn that I ended up going for the kill in response to his card draw, he basically gushes and impulses. I mean, I, I think he didn't have impulse. I think he had AK. So accumulated knowledge and uh, whatever he can, he ends up drawing like three, four cards in, in one single turn after bringing back uh, cards with his uh, gush. Um, extends the hand and shows me five lands. So for this enchants, five lands so far. Like uh, I think, uh, as I, I hope I'm not misusing it, but as the New York crew would say, the dealer was on my side. It seems to be. Um... So we're 4-0. We're heading into round five of seven, or was it eight rounds? It was eight rounds. Eight rounds. So we are we have reached our at least our middle point mm-hmm. of 50-50. Yes. All right. So round five, is the dealer still kind to us, or have we lost our lady luck? 
uh yeah she ended up uh taking uh i think lunch break for the next two rounds uh yeah what happened well i got paired with uh have you heard of itai kurtzman <laughs> i i've heard of him <laughs> Uh, basically I sat down, um, across from him and, uh, I was actually surprised that, uh, he, he remembered my name when he was uh, talking about it in Spike Colony. Uh, his, his description was fairly, fairly accurate. Um, I, I really liked the, the joke that uh, Lani was saying, uh, cause he, he mentioned that I told, uh, Brian Selden, who I kept on running to throughout the day. We like, we know each other from last year. Um, mm-hmm. I kept saying that, uh, I, I thanked him for, you know, facing Lani, uh, Lani instead of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, because my running joke was every time I saw Rich Shea, I would say, I'm avoiding you. And every, I mean, that makes sense. Every time he, he saw me, he said, good, keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and then he basically, uh, Brian asked me, well, isn't this match just as bad as Parfait? Now, it, I think it might actually be worse. It, it was, but because I figured that, you know, like I was able to still uh, win against uh, Francisco, Maybe this matchup isn't all that bad, you know? Uh, yeah. How'd that work out? Uh, I lost 2 yeah. <laughs> You found the well, dreadnoughts, did he? Yeah, and basically, I, I hear Francisco standing from over my shoulder saying, like, yeah, Itai is better at finding dreadnoughts than I am. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's going to happen. But, I mean, I, I'm, the, the one thing I do remember from that game, I mean, game, game one, I got him down to seven life, but then, you know, the, the shrimp came down and there was no way to get through. Uh, and game two, it was a mall to five. And I remember like really, really feeling bad uh, when I tried to uh, overload, uh, not overload, uh, meltdown for one. I think that was the only time I cast it during the tournament uh, with a curse scroll on the field, which Uh-oh. sounds like a cyborg mistake because I really don't know why I kept curse scroll. <laughs> not, not the most effective in the match. It, it, it is not, but I don't, I don't exactly remember. I think I basically try to bring in, uh, yeah, I, br- I probably brought in like all, all eight cards. Um, not sure mm-hmm. what was my thinking uh, there. I did find myself uh, boarding out uh, Bobble quite a lot throughout the day, which uh, I, I think uh, okay. Mike Flores mentioned was like a card also that you shouldn't uh, do. But I just had a lot of really good cards for the um, blue-white matchup, uh, standstill. Mm-hmm. I ended up facing like a lot of control and a lot of the time I just, uh, you know, I, w- I would bring like the oppressive progress and the uh, red blast effects. I honestly found that that was the card that I was the least excited to draw. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Because there was a game that I broke landstill with zero cards in hand with a bubble and that felt horrible. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm taking you guys out. Yeah, yeah. So we, we, we ran into the Dreadnoughts little, little self. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on, so we're four one. Yeah. Uh, moving on to round six, um, and our lady of luck is still chowing down on some lobster somewhere. Hey, this is what I'm hearing. Hey, that, that's actually uh, correct. Um, you were asking earlier about the, the heartbreaks. So far, no heartbreak. So far, I'm like, all right, this was bound to happen. Uh huh. Um, but you know, we're still we're still close. We just we need to win one more game in the next uh, four rounds, and uh, mission accomplished. Um. And then I get paired down with uh, the one, the only uh, Anthony Jordan, uh, um, who is also playing Sly. <laughs> um, and essentially, the in, in in game one, the only difference is uh, my four bubbles versus his four seal of cleansing. Uh, cleansing, I wish seal of fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, we ended up uh, going to game three. Um, 
game one, he was able to, uh, I think he was on the play, and I think I mulliganed again, but uh, he's also a very good uh, uh, burn player, so <clears throat> he had mm-hmm. it, I didn't. Uh, yep. Game two, I, I was able to close out but he made a, a comment uh saying that one he, he really found like the mirror match uh, interesting he said he didn't get to play that much of it and two he was really really surprised to see how i used my fetches uh specifically against like he noticed that i'm not cracking them until i'm ready to actually try to use the mana um, mm-hmm. which i believe he noted and used quite effectively against me in game three uh in which he basically went all out um with you know me still lacking like seven points of damage to close it out um so again uh francisco is hovering over my shoulder and he, and he tells me something that completely let's say blew my mind he says like i think you could have won game three if you incinerated his mock fanatic like early on uh yeah i have i do have to say something about that so one of my most embarrassing things i've ever done is try to blue blast a <laughs> Mog Fanatic that I thought was a lackey. Oh, God. Um, it's on camera. It was in the finals of the first um, pre-modern championship, Midwest pre-modern championship. It was embarrassing. I legitimately left the table and walked away for a few minutes. I, I saw that video. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It made me feel happy. But I think Lester, in a joking matter, made the point that that lackey over the course of the game could have done five or six damage to me. Mm-hmm. And that would have been the difference in that game. So intuitively it feels wrong, but I think in that matchup specifically, and what's been my experience is you kill every creature. I mean, if you can do it with a lava dart, great, but the incremental damage from the creatures is much worse for you than the burn a lot of times because both of you have finite amounts of burn and you actually maybe have a step up with the bobbles to filter two more burn. Mm-hmm. So I think that sounds correct from what Francisco is saying. I think I probably would have in the blind, just hearing you describe it. I think that's probably the correct choice if that, if that's the mirror. And I mean, again, this is one of those lessons I, I will learn another lesson like from uh, you know the experience of uh sly later in the tournament but um he he basically ended up saying he ended up like replaying the whole sequence because he's good at that he's able to actually okay. see everything pretend that i drew everything like in a different order rewind it back he said he wasn't sure but uh you know his intuition is very very well developed so i believe him mm-hmm. um and i i found that i had uh, i guess a bit of an advantage because he, he um Tony showed me his cards afterwards, and he basically took out the jackal pups and brought in like two lava darts and two overloads. So not the most powerful sideboard cards against me. Um, that's actually the reason why I think I went for like the last vortex. So against Sly, mm. I'm able to bring in three darts and uh, vortex, and at least feel like I kind of have action. Ooh, um, you brought in the vortex against Sly. That's I mean, I did not. That's ballsy. <laughs> um, it was actually quite critical. I think either in game one or game two. Uh, I think. I love it. I think I love he. It. I mean, I. I learned that. Uh, I, I remember this is uh, the the math, the top sixteen match. I think that I lost against uh, Peter Smiths. Uh, I remember specifically a situation where we both are kind of like waiting to burn each other out, mm-hmm. and. He had uh, he he had played uh, vortex against me, 
And mm -hmm. during his upkeep, before he draws a card, I basically kind of go for it. I try to, you know, I mean, Aaron taught me the proper way, you know, like you make sure every spell resolves, like you don't stack them. <laughs> and mm -hmm. basically, like, the, the mistake I made in that game is that I got him down to uh, to the point that he's that's, that's lethal. What I should have done was essentially say, all right, you, you're a two life. I'm not playing any more spells. You know, I'm going to let the vortex kill you, forcing him to act first. Yes, um, that is correct. So... And that, unfortunately, that's not what I did back then. <laughs> so he ended up uh, continuing, and I got knocked out. Uh, but I remember that particular sequence of plays reminded me that maybe if this comes up again and he has not run against it, I might have some advantage. Uh, that makes sense. I like that. That was basically the thinking. Uh, for, for for most of the time, I was really, I think, uh, putting a lot of uh, weight on uh, Lavadart, expecting it to uh, you know help out on the ball lightning uh, <laughs> and Grim Love Monster game. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, again, I, I think when I talked to you about uh, the slide mirror, you basically said that a lot of times it's very draw dependent about who who kind of has it. Um, That's been my experience with it a lot of times, yeah. Uh, so I I think that obviously I owe it to myself to critically evaluate uh, what uh, Francisco said and maybe mm -hmm. maybe uh, try to do that. But I mean, for the future, I will <laughs> I will know this, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But you were asking about the heartbreak. This is basically where the heartbreak came down. I, okay. I essentially like really started feeling uh, negative emotion uh, coming over me. Like oh, this was not, no. not going well. And I knew I had to snap myself out of it. So um, Tony was about to get up and give the match slip. I'm like, no, no, you sit down. <laughs> I sit down him. Mm -hmm. I sit down Francisco. Don't ask me why, but I decided to show them a magic trick. <laughs> yeah? Uh, yeah. So I ended up uh, showing them a bar scam that I like uh, quite a lot. Um, I can okay. show, show it to you in the future. But I mean, this is like... Uh, in the course of five minutes of uh, entertaining and leading them down like uh, you know garden paths and then turning on the sprinklers, uh, mm -hmm. I'm surprised nobody commented on this. But basically, uh, Francisco's job in that trick was to make sure I don't do anything sneaky or try to take any coins out of my hand or sneak any coins back in. So he literally was holding my hand for like a good five minutes at the feature area table uh, while I basically scammed them. And at the end, I, they were both like. Uh, thoroughly impressed and you know just just the good vibes actually help bring up my mood and get me out of that rut um that's good that's awesome yeah so uh so we uh so we hit four two mm -hmm. um at this point do we know generally what the cut is gonna be to top eight is it was it ended up did it end up being like seven one one or what did that cut end up looking like i believe from hearing other people discuss this uh it ended up uh i think uh the new york guys calculated it would have been 611 611 yeah so sorry sorry 611 yeah so do you at this point i mean you're still happy to be there you've gotten yourself out of a funk what, what about those last two rounds what what happened there well um my next round was uh again uh facing a sly <laughs> Uh, All right. But in this case, I was uh, facing, uh, I think, somebody who subscribes to your philosophy a bit more uh, because I, mm -hmm. I ended up seeing a browbeat. So uh, I believe the opponent's name was uh, Joel Bowers or Bauer. Um, okay. And I, I thought he was a local. <clears throat> but when I was looking through TC decks uh, for uh, the Chaos Con event, I think that uh, Patrick Bird put on Ottawa, I saw his name like in the top, uh, top eight or top four. Okay. So I didn't realize I was playing my... Uh, countrymen <laughs> um there you go unless he made the trip to canada who knows uh so the match ended up uh i ended up winning 2-0 but this was the only time that i called a judge 
And it wasn't mm-hmm. because of anything bad that happened. It was based on the experience I've had with Curse Scroll in the past, which was mm-hmm. I tried to activate it with one card in hand, and my opponent would uh, Funeral Charm me in response, making me this card. Mm-hmm. Um, so I realized just because of where the colon is placed on that card, you can do some silly, silly things. Um, at which point mm-hmm. I was activating Curse Scroll to kill his Mog Fanatic. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't know that you're supposed to actually declare the target as part of the... Uh, I guess another mm. resolution, the activation. So sure. I thought that maybe I could get him like the same way, you know, like if he doesn't sacrifice the fanatic in response, target it and kill it. Uh, judge came over, explained that's not the case. Uh, and I don't think he was upset about it. Like he was legitimately curious to see what would happen. Um, mm-hmm. But he was able to make the, the optimal play and obviously sacrifice the fanatic. <clears throat> um, mm. the, the key moment in that game was in game two. Uh, he casts a Browbeat, and I believe I was at 11 life, and he had one card in hand. Um, mm-hmm. I was actually pretty surprised when he brought in, uh, <laughs> when I see him play uh, turn one uh, Black Fies against me, <laughs> which is not, obviously, that's not your tech. I think that's Aaron back in like February when he was also trying to beat Parfait in his way. Yep, that, that's an Aaron thing. But he also had Browbeat, so, you know, I thought of you, <laughs> and I thought of everything oh, you right. said about that card. <clears throat> and... Yeah, this was a situation where he basically got the the shorthand because um, I would go down to five life, but he had one card in hand. He didn't have any like mm-hmm. other source of damage, like no lava darts in the graveyard, and even if I had a fire blast, I'm still at one life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took the five damage like a champ, and I had enough burn to uh, take him out. Yep. Uh, so all right, <clears throat> so we've hit Sly. We've gone to five and two. Yes. Heading into our last round, we have accomplished our goal of winning record. <laughs> so how are we feeling, though, that we accomplished our goal? Um, I honestly felt great. Um, at that moment, I did not think I was in top 16 contention. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just thought to myself, like, hey, I did pretty much what I came uh, to do. I had a lot of my mental energy available in between rounds. I got to hang out with my friends, uh, talk to people. Uh, so to do magic, <laughs> you know, so I was pretty, yeah. uh, pretty happy. Um, and then I get to sit down against uh, blue white for the last time that day. Um, I, I, this is probably the part where I get very, very lucky about the event is that I faced four control decks. Mm. Um, so essentially my read on what I expected to see kind of came true. I didn't run to goblins, didn't run to uh, rock, you know, basically just have to beat like, uh, five, uh, blue white decks and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, did it, uh, <laughs> like what, four out of five times. Yep. Um, I was playing against a gentleman by the name of Ben Landers, who, uh, okay. was surprisingly energetic for like the eighth round. <laughs> Uh, and, and I remember at the beginning, uh, he actually asked me uh, what was my favorite uh, memory from mm-hmm. LobsterCon so far. Like, what was my favorite uh, moment? And I didn't really have a good answer. I was like, well, you know, like uh, a couple of uh, things here and there, but nothing like really stood in my mind. Um, I didn't realize that <clears throat> this would be the match I would remember the most. Um, funny enough, I was sitting uh, across from uh, Aaron Dix. Mm-hmm. And he was facing, uh, I think it's Michael Phillip, uh, okay. the, the Enchantress player, who also got, I think, top 16. Uh, he's mm-hmm. also the gentleman who had the unfortunate accident with dropping his cards and falling down a staircase. Yeah, I, I heard that the community and everybody was able to kind of get together and help him with stuff. I think that's accurate. So, 
Well, I mean, obviously, the, the most important part was that he said that he was okay and he, he recovered well. Oh, exactly. And his most important stuff was actually, like, protected. So he didn't okay, lose that's any good. of the uh, big money cards. So um, <clears throat> basically, we're sitting down. I think they realized they're playing for top 16. I kind of had, like, an idea. And to me, honestly, top 16 is more desirable than top 8 because that means I get my name at DC Dex and I get to stop playing. Yeah. <laughs> So, food, sustenance, rest. Uh, exactly. And uh, I guess the part I didn't mention is I was going to miss day two because uh, I had to race back to Canada for my daughter's first dance recital. Oh, boy. that's the, You can't miss that. I, I, I cannot. So, I in my mind, like I have very, very limited time. Uh, so, after this, it's uh, hanging out, you know, trying to get it, trying to soak in as much of the LobsterCon experience before I head back home. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I was pretty happy with this. So, uh, the way that this match ended up going, um, kind of the same as uh, throughout the day. So game one, I was able to rush him. Game two, uh, he was able to put uh, to stabilize with um, cop red. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, game game three, uh, <laughs> actually, even uh, I, I wrote this on uh, Phil uh, Nguyen's. Uh, uh, I think he started a thread asking people what is their favorite lobstercon experience. Uh, mm-hmm. So in game three, I was able to get him down to, I think, seven or eight life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, he had the, the dreaded cop red in play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm basically mana flat at five lands. And in my hand, I'm holding a ball lightning. And uh, I think I had the pyroblast. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, I top deck uh, Price of Progress. Mm-hmm. I decide that I'm going to try to, you know, uh, confuse him. I'm going to try to make him think that I, like, get, uh, threw in the towel. So I run ball lightning at him. Mm-hmm. He looks at me confused, thinking I'm probably just, you know, about to accept my <laughs> my fate. Uh, mm-hmm. He pays one and prevents the damage. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, uh, pass turn. He taps three to cycle the Kree. Tapping out, I assume. Every single one of them. I'm like waiting, waiting, waiting until he goes in. And obviously, I dropped the price of progress. Uh, he had, I think, more than uh, four lands. So not, mm-hmm. not basics. And that became my favorite moment. That's rough. Uh, Don't ever tap out, folks. Don't do it. <laughs> so I, I talked to him about that. And he actually said that he was aware that price of progress is a card. He, he was aware that it might be my only out. He forgot that it was an instant. <laughs> so I fair. I that's fair. I I tried. I probably like wrote it up as though it was like me mind tricking him with the ball lightning. No, nah, he he knew what he was doing. He just uh, you know. I, I think he's a uh, he's an old school player. I I believe that gotcha. because I saw some people on Discord have like in their name they're saying Ben Landers uh, uh, Barn. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm assuming he's like an, an end boss. Um, but uh, again, if we're facing each other with a uh, 5-2 record end of day, uh, he must have uh, you know done quite well himself. So uh, minor, minor blunder. Um, I, I can't rest on my laurels because uh, Aaron basically... Th- th- this was probably the, the most nerve-wracking part of the event. I mean, playing in front of Francisco, I'm kind of used to his feedback. I know that it's going to come. Aaron, you know, is very much like uh, Dimitri. When your opponent plays a cop red, you turn it to the control player. Your burn spells are now aimed exclusively at his man lands, you know, which is not something like I've never actually played against cop red before that. I had cop red against Flint, uh, 
And I'd realized mm-hmm. that tapping out is a no-no, which I made sure not to do in, in our match. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, I kind of realized that that uh, might be like my only out. I just, I've never really faced it uh, before. the event. And uh, yeah, that's that essentially when, when I actually saw the standings and I saw that my name is like a 12th position, I ran to Jordan like, the top eight can change, but everything else is fixed for the day. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, you mean to tell me I made top 16? <laughs> <laughs> and well, that's awesome. That's so you've gone through, you've gotten top 16 better than what you were probably even expecting. And that's an awesome feeling. Okay. What was. Go ahead. I mean, the, the one thing I have to add, I've been talking about positive record this whole time, but the reason, and I told this to uh, Francisco uh, on our first uh, coaching call, <clears throat> I said that I would love to repeat my performance from last year's Lopsicon. Uh 18th place, I came in pretty close. It was, you know, not half as many people. I think 111 versus uh, 186, which we were this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, my goal was obviously to have like the positive record, but in my heart of hearts, I really wanted to do like two positions better, you know, just you know, to to have my name there, you know, in a, in a big event. Because mm-hmm. like I told you, I've never really played any of these. Uh, I mean, obviously, I've done okay in the monthlies with a couple of top 16s and uh, one finals match. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in my heart of hearts, I was actually hoping <laughs> to get there. So it was uh, quite the, quite the uh, moment of uh, joy for me. I, I think I was probably happier with like, 12th place than almost anybody in the top eight was with their finish. <laughs> hey, you know, that, that, that's an awesome run you had. And from what you tell me, there were great plays. There was some heartbreak, kind of exactly what you want from an event and what you expect. So what was the vibe of the event what what was your feeling i mean we've had things like best event ever best event i've been to in x amount of years family reunion what where are you landing on the vibe for the event and the people um so that actually is an excellent question and part of the reason probably where we're talking right now because honestly i think you've done an amazing job in capturing that feeling like your previous guests, like just I, I've listened to, I think the Peter uh, Smith's episode and the Spencer episode, like multiple times, just because of how vivid the description is. I, I listened to Daniel David only uh, once, not not, not uh, anything. Uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, David Daniel. Um, just be- I do it too. Don't worry. Just because uh, no, but that's confusing is that I actually had a calculus teacher with the same name, and I could never figure out which one <laughs> which first. Um, I basically. Uh, I would listen to this episode many, many times, but you had mic issues. <laughs> so I, I don't think like it came out more like as a bit of a monologue, um, which is, is, it was a bit of a monologue, which is unfortunate, but he's uh, very entertaining. And uh, I need to probably listen to it a couple of times um, in terms of how the vibe was. So I guess the, the way to describe it is uh, when I went there last year, I was like a newcomer to pre-modern, right? Um, mm-hmm. I didn't really know that many people. And I kind of came there uh, specifically knowing Carl, who I traveled with. Mm-hmm. And then I was hoping, to, like the two people I wanted to meet were uh, Javi and uh, Brian uh, Stillwagon. Like we call him, mm-hmm. we call him Stillman, because that's uh, what Jared called him out uh, in, I think, the side event on the next day, and that kind of like stuck in <laughs> as an inside joke. Because <laughs> uh, these are guys that I really got along well with in the pod. We kind of have like a similar like family situation. So in addition to getting together and playing magic, you know, like we'll talk about life. So in in, in that sense. Um, 
last year was meeting people this year it was like to meet the people all the wonderful people that i've met in the community that i've uh, spoken to that i've played against um and there was honestly like family reunion is a very good way to summarize this because uh as you know a family man yourself you kind of know that a lot of your activities uh and i guess uh gatherings uh center around kids you know kids are mm -hmm. kids are family and not, yeah. not having the kids with me going there was like uh it was a bit of a vacation it was a lot of a vacation but i mean at, at yeah. the same time like it's a, it's a vacation with like all of your high school friends or you know childhood friends all together in one room like i'm pretty sure that if you had this convention and we were not allowed to play magic we would still have had an amazing time uh that sounds accurate the fact that we were able to play the game that we love along the way and uh hang out i mean it was just just incredible like uh some of these people like i really wanted uh to to meet for the longest time have a beer with uh yeah see seeing everybody just uh just the atmosphere the environment's like unbelievable like it cannot be described okay. i cannot recommend it highly enough and i really hope you'll be able to experience this yourself uh, next year we'll have to see the the dice will have to roll a certain way but we'll take it we'll take it so if you were the one um the one thing that i was thinking of was that was missing, and you made allusions to this with your copyright talk, is I am surprised at the lack of flaring paint. That surprised me. Is that just a card you're not fond of? Had you just not really experienced much of the copyright issues? Like, it seems like an om omission that I have a question about, and I would love to kind of pick your brain as to what made you decide not to bring any copies in your sideboard. Um... I'll, I'll be honest, uh, my sideboard is basically borrowed from <clears throat> Aaron almost entirely. Like the, <laughs> gotcha. the only two modification is uh, I have two meltdowns instead of Price of Progress number four. Mm -hmm. And I believe he also played Overload number four. Gotcha. Um, I, I thought about Flaring Pain. I have it in my other deck, the, <laughs> the Long Reach uh, Sly. Yeah. And it might have been an oversight on my part. Um, the main reason why it didn't come in is just because it was in another deck. That makes um, sense. I think gotcha. in that and then uh, uh, Hermit Knot. Or no, not Hermit Knot. Uh, Angry Hermit. No, not a Hermit. Um, yeah, no, that makes sense. They play a copy or two. Yeah, I just uh, I, I didn't think about bringing it in. Also, uh, this is probably a bit uh, overstepping on my part, but I just didn't expect people to know that that is the card to bring in against red. And I think I was kind of right in my other uh, blue-white matchups. I saw chill, mm -hmm. I saw warmth. Uh, I never mm -hmm. I never scooped until I saw <laughs> the cop red. And even the cop red, I would play until, you know, it became like unquestionable that they're gonna take this match like the next turn. Right, exactly. Um, but no, I just, I, I didn't, I didn't think to to bring it uh, in. I, uh, I I assumed that I'd be able to get them with. Uh, I guess not. It's that's actually a very good question because I know that you're not supposed to keep vortex uh, against it because then you basically kill yourself while they uh, you know fizzle the damage. Yeah, it's not great. Um, I guess in my mind that is. Uh, I, I just thought that I'd be able to deal the final couple of points of damage through uh, barbarian ring and curse scroll and just hoping that people uh, would not activate cop red as efficiently. 
I also I didn't expect to see like you know three blue white uh, landstill decks against me. That's hundred percent. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I leaned on vortex. Awesome. All right, so we have come to our favorite part of the episode. Um, I ask you three questions: your most overrated card in pre-modern, the most underrated card in pre-modern, and a card that needs to be or is waiting to be broken. Mm-hmm. Any order you want, go ahead. Well, um, I guess I'll need to start this with a qualified uh, overrated card. I, mm-hmm. I I just mentioned them now. I, I'm going to put uh, chill slash warmth <laughs> in terms of overrated okay. in their effectiveness against uh, red decks in general. Uh, All right. I, the reason I'm saying it's qualified is because I like, let's say, chill a lot better in a deck like Stasis, where mm-hmm. you know, like you tax them in addition to activate. Uh, but I do remember when I was playing uh, Chill in my uh, blue-white uh, solution deck. Um, mm-hmm. Every time I got to play it out, I think I played against uh, Patrick House in, uh, in, in the pod. Basically, every time I ran it out, I would try to beat him with my uh, two-two bears, which you know he would be able to to burn out. And once he <laughs> once he got to uh, three mana, he was able to red blast or or. Uh, Blast it away, and then double price of progress, and I'm dead. Um, <clears throat> so it it, it kind of felt that it does not do enough in the decks that people bring it in. I think people assume that warmth is good against the goblins, which it might be. But mm-hmm. when I faced goblins last year on Reanimator, I went up to 32 life off of a Reanimated Phantom Neshoba. Uh And they still got there. In two turns, they took me down to zero. Yep, that sounds like goblins. So I, I don't really understand uh, the point of warmth. And since I'm running Sulfuric Vortex, like you know, essentially I blank out their warmth. Um, <clears throat> I, I really think the the only answer to red would need to be like uh, in the cop form. Um, and I think mm-hmm. chills should stay in uh, prison decks. <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. All right. So what's an underrated card? So I'm having a hard time deciding which one is underrated, which one should be broken. Uh, but uh, I, my the one card that I really, really wish uh, would see more play. Um, so I guess this would be the the one that ways to be broken is uh, my favorite uh, pet card, the the card that I fell in love with all these years ago when I find out about uh, John Finkel's sneaker deck, which is uh, Tinker. <laughs> okay, okay, I I think that one's pretty high on just about everybody's. Let's just like, what do we have to do to make Tinker like truly get there? So I, I remember every time I introduce somebody to pre-modern, the first thing they say is like, you have fetches, but nothing to fetch. Then they see that survival is legal, which, you know, they find hard to believe. But when they come up to oath, like, wait, oath is legal? And then they look at what we oath for. And he says, oh, that's a, you know, that's an okay card. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. When they find out, let's say we've unbanned show and tell, they're like, "Come on, there has to be something, you know, incredible nope. uh, to do with those nope. cards." But I mean, the, the format is just uh, fair, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's fair. There's uh, the the, what, the scariest thing you can do is what uh, I think uh, tinker out a uh, Phyrexian uh, devourer, uh, devourer, and hopefully go off with a maybe you have a fling, maybe you have a, a altar. Yeah, but I mean, eh. but like nothing too crazy too scary and you just have to sacrifice a card to do it and on get past a counter spell um you know it's uh 
it, it feels like it should be able to be like the dominant uh, powerhouse that it is in uh, vintage or other formats where you know people are afraid to see it but we just uh, don't have uh, the targets or we just haven't uh, fought well we're what we're one set to we're one block too short for tinker to be a problem i suppose uh we're just one block too short. Although, I don't know. Maybe uh, now we're seeing uh, Fletcher becoming a thing. <laughs> I, I, I don't think Artifact Cycle, though, so I don't think you're going to tinker out of Fluctuator. No, nah, I don't think that's how that deck's winning. No, no, no. Um, yeah, but I, I really wish that uh, something would have done with that card. I'm, I'm still playing it. Like uh, I have uh, two different versions of... Uh, uh, one of them is the Welder uh, Tinker deck, which mm-hmm. is more competitive. The other one is, uh, I guess, a meme... Uh, homage to uh the good old days of um, mono blue uh, tinker with upheaval (laughs) i i feel like there has to be like a tinker like blue red wildfire deck like tinker yourself into like just mana rocks to get there or something i don't know i i was actually this is something that i did try in that deck for not 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 the uh not with wildfire uh but uh the, the mana rock that I target with Tinker is um, the, the the blue uh, of Ramos. I think either Eye of Ramos or something, uh, mm. Heart of Ramos, mm-hmm. uh, whichever one gives you blue mana. Because the cool thing is you tap it for a blue, and then you can sacrifice it for a blue, which gives you double blue, which means you can, you mm-hmm. can actually Tinker and cast your upheaval. Uh, yes. So I, the deck is uh, lovingly called uh, Turbo Upheaval. <laughs> Uh, I love it. And uh, nobody but me played it. I played it in uh, one of uh, the Aaron's uh, TNT. I think I ended up uh, going 2-1, and one, uh, losing to an actual Devourer deck, which Aaron piloted. <laughs> uh, Fair enough. But uh, no, I, 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 I wish it was more competitive. It isn't. I keep it for like my most my more casual games. Gotcha. And then what's a uh, underrated card? Um, so I, I, I mentioned it earlier. I really think Show and Tell... <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. can, can do a lot more. Um, I was actually playing Rich in the May monthly. And I kind of, mm-hmm. uh, this is still when I was trying to figure out which deck to play. And I kind of explained to him uh, my, my situation. And he said, like, well, if you're worried about the years of experience that your opponents are bringing, and I think we we're talking about uh, Tom in that example, like, if you think that there's no way you can beat uh, Tom, uh, why not? Take the game away from him. Why not combo him out by turn three so that his you know plays <laughs> will become irrelevant? That's a fair point. The, and the deck we were talking about at the time was uh, a deck that Rich won the I think the double elimination tournament back in twenty one. Uh, he played uh, Devourer, but with Oath of Druids. Mm, okay. Um, and the thought that I had was to add uh, Show and Tell to that list. Okay. Because it already runs Tinker, it already runs uh, Oath, and I thought Shuttle could be like the condition for you know uh, another situation. Uh, I never got there. Uh, the deck seemed to be like really, really weak to disruption. <laughs> um, mm. But I still felt that there was something there. I think uh, the fluctuate episode that Flynn did recently, he said that he built something similar, although I've yet to, to see like a list. Um, I, I really wish Show and Tell and Tinker would do more broken things, but not too broken, you know? Yeah, I have a weird... I've always had this weird deck in mind of some sort of, like, Show and Tell form of the dragon or Show and Tell um, Decree of Silence okay. sort of decks. It's the, probably the jankiest thing we've ever seen, but 
I mean, there's things. I've, I've played around also where, I mean, Tom had uh, uh, Fall Brawl, I think, or a monthly uh, top, top, no, Fall Brawl, because it was right after the unbanning happened. He put Show and Tell in Reanimator and did well with it, and he had to, I think, drop. But I've tinkered with, like, Show and Tell Reanimator that also is, like, also has Volrath's um, shapeshifter. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so you're not just relying on reanimates and mm-hmm. doing things like that. Uh, so I think there's opportunities. It's, it's, it, Premonitor is in such a weird place where there's just not truly busted, busted things, as you mentioned, that you can just put into play. <laughs> like we don't have Protean Hulk, we don't have Blight Steel Colossus, we don't have. We don't even we don't even have dark steel colossus. <laughs> like we don't have platinum angel. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you? And we also live in a format where source plowshare exists. Yes. Uh so you know it happens a lot of times. Whatever you show and tell turns into like, oh, I've gained seven life, <laughs> and and that's sometimes life. Uh but no, I agree. Show and tell is one of those cars that's like, there's got to be something here. And I'm sure we'll find it. Well, I think uh, Lenny won um, with uh, the blue red uh, devourer, and he had show and tells in the deck. So that makes sense. I could see that. But yeah. I mean, a deck that so, lets me play uh, Tinker and show and tell, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, all, for I'm all for it. I love it. I absolutely. So, with that being said, um, sounds like Lobster Time was a great time. You ran well with Sly, my deck close to my heart. Um, awesome success. Dimitri, do you have any final words for the audience? Uh, things you want to say before we kind of say goodnight and uh, move on past? And I think the next big thing we have is obviously um, the Midwest Pre-Minor Championship coming up this weekend. Uh, but then there's also Euros should be coming up in short order as well uh, yeah that one might be i think a bit more into the fall i, I don't remember if it's september or october is it i thought it was uh, I, I might i might be wrong i might be wrong I, I think last year it was uh, around then so i might be mixing things up um but i will definitely be looking forward to the coverage from uh, your event uh i'm really i, I always love the production quality and the commentary it's, it's it's always such a blast to watch um and who knows maybe somebody else is gonna uh, plow a uh, fanatic, you know, and take away the uh, crown from you. I mean, we can only... <laughs> right. um, the, the one thing I do kind of have to plug, and it's not much of a plug, uh, I guess it, this is something that happened uh, in, in LobsterCon. I ended up, uh, f- for the charity raffle, uh, my wife made me throw out our VCR. So I brought my two world championship, uh, that VHS text that I have. I think I had a tape with the road to uh, nationals, uh, like 98. And the other tape was uh, Pro Tour 1. Um, I've digitized both. So I have like a pretty high resolution, high quality version of uh, both available. Mm-hmm. And I believe talking to Brian Selden, he said that he has a recording of uh, his world championship somewhere in VHS. So I guess the thing I would like to plug is if anybody is interested and they have like old VHS cassettes, but no way to digitize it, if they can get them to me, (laughs) I would love to digitize uh, this uh, historical coverage and I would love to make it available to everybody because it was a very big part of uh, my life, uh, my magic life growing up. 
And I, okay. I mean, it's basically an invitation. I think Andrew Walker at some point mentioned that he has a cassette somewhere. I mean, just uh, I, I would love to see like a, the community coming together and just gathering whatever footage we have and, you know, sharing. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And the Wizards removing all their coverage <sighs> is just, just so I, I remember being in college and this isn't pre-modern stuff, mm-hmm. but I was in college and I remember watching PT Los Angeles and Ruel essentially bluffing oh, his opponent with the, the first spike. spike. I remember <laughs> I remember watching the Lightning Helix live. Oh, oh. I I remember that stuff and it's you can find some of it still on YouTube. Yeah. Some of it. I remember but it, watching Worlds 2000. You were still able to mm-hmm. watch it like a Yahoo webcast or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was able to see some footage from that championship that is so like near and dear to my heart. Um, I've tried to contact both ESPN and Wizards, seeing if I could buy any of the footage or find it anywhere. You know, never got it, never got anywhere with there. But uh, man, I, I, there's like so much gold in those events, like watching the uh, uh, Mahar versus uh, Brian Davis, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the one with the you know neck, uh, drain life for four and all those wonderful uh, moments. Um, when I found out there was actually a webcast for Pro Tour Houston uh, where it was uh, YMG against YMG, I think Darwin Castle versus uh, mm-hmm. Robert Dougherty, like that mm-hmm. that 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 game is what made me fall in love with both Reanimator and The Rock. You know, <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I just really wish that there was so much more um, of that available around. Uh, alas, um, at least we're doing a very good job of capturing so many events and uh, so many uh, high quality, high production quality things. Uh, so many podcasts uh, keeping like it really gives the uh, a, a gestalt feeling to the format as a whole. You know, just so well integrated. You have so many uh, great sources of content. You have so much, uh, I guess, uh, so many classical moments to share. And I really think that it uh, kind of like romanticizes the community for me. You know, it just makes it so much more than just playing magic with you know old cards. It uh, it really captures, I think, the uh, the zeitgeist of what uh, Remarn is. I love I love that attitude. So, Dimitri, unfortunately, our time is at an end. Our our stories must end for <laughs> now. But um, a pleasure to speak with you, um, voice to voice instead of just through a chat. Thank you for sharing your stories. And before we go, guys, a reminder, the Midwest Pre-Modern Championships at Misty Mountain Games coming up this weekend. Um, you got, you know, obviously I'm the big draw, um, but you got, you know, you got people like Sam Black, Caleb Durward, and, you know, those guys. Mm-hmm. But uh, you also have Flint, uh, Espel coming in, uh, Francisco is coming in. Um, we got a New York player coming in. Sadly, um, Mike Flores and um, Lanny were both too scared of me <laughs> um, and my goblin cadets to make it out. So it's okay. We'll catch them next time. But uh, and with all due respect, much love to everybody who listens. As always, shout out to all the podcasts doing their thing. Pre-modcast, Balancing Tings, the Spike Colony podcast, all of you guys, to all those doing coverage, shout out to Andrew Walker for the monthlies to Mike Hoyt for and Flint for their wonderful coverages of the spring fling um, and what's going to be coming up with the championships. Shout out to those in Europe putting on great tournaments. 
Um, and to you. Well, thank you to me. I appreciate that. Uh, this this format is truly one where you can find just happiness in playing games. Um, and as long as you remind yourself of that, you're not going to get sucked into too much. But Dimitri, thank you so much for being with us. Um, let's say goodnight to everybody. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Good night, everybody. Take care, guys. See you soon. Bye.